Hey everybody, welcome to episode 50 of Founders Kyan. Yes, we have reached a milestone thanks to all your listeners and founders. Thanks for tuning in. Each week we bring you the inspiring story of a startup and its founder. This week we have Dr. Anand Lakshman, the founder and CEO of Address Health, a startup that aims to address pediatric childcare via type with schools. We'll talk more about that on the show. We had a great time in putting this episode together and hope you like it. Also don't forget that we have the hash ask marcus campaign running to answer all your startup ip related questions. Simply use the hashtag hash ask marcus that is a s k m a r c a s in facebook or twitter and ask your startup related queries and we'll address them in upcoming episodes of the show. Finally, do check out our show notes over at foundersgyan.com slash ep50 that is www.foundersgyan.com slash ep50 and also check out our 50 episode archive over at www.foundersgyan.com One last thing, starting from this show, we will have a special segment in every show where we get into a deep dive into a specific topic that is close to the founder's heart and the founder considers himself or her herself an expert in. So watch out for that segment. Okay, enough for the intro. Let's get on with the show now. Dr. Anand Lakshman, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to meet you and be chatting with you today. Anand is one of the founders of Address Health, a platform that was founded with the vision of making pediatric primary care continuum. More about that on the show. Anand is a public health management professional and medical doctor with over 10 years of experience working with government, international agencies and NGOs at both district, state, national and international levels. He has worked extensively in 12 states of India on childhood undernutrition as well as with WHO as a medical consultant to the state of West Bengal where he helped set up the revised national TB control program in five districts of South Bengal. Anand did his master's degree in health administration from the Tata Institute of Social Sciences, Mumbai. Lastly, Anand considers product design to be his forte, so we'll dig into that a little bit as part of the show. So Anand, great to meet you and thanks a lot for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, thanks uh, Ram for inviting uh, myself and Address Health on to Founders Gyan. Happy to uh, talk and chat. Cool. So Anand, uh, let's talk about your journey. Now, I guess I pretty much covered everything before Address Health. Uh, is there anything more you'd like to add to your background? Yeah, so uh, I'll go right into, uh, you know, uh, I was born in Bangalore, but I grew up in Calcutta. And you could say that in many ways, we had uh, exposure to small-time entrepreneurship right from my childhood. I used to run a lending library uh, uh, okay. in my neighborhood. Okay. Uh, whenever it was time to uh, the school year to start and to buy notebooks and things like that for school myself and my brother would go around the neighborhood and collect all the a list of books that children needed and go and buy it in wholesale so that we could have our books for free okay we did the same around diwali where we would get the list of crackers everybody wanted go and buy it at somewhere far away from calcutta okay. and try to get our crackers for free so that kind of stuff was always there in our uh, as we grew along grew okay up. okay so i guess entrepreneurship was there in your dna right <laughs> so uh, explain to us a little bit more in detail on the concept of address health because i i think it's not very clear from the description what the continuum part of pedi- pediatric healthcare is about 
child health right, right? so right. Uh, and also how did you come up with this idea in the first place so uh, the name address health is an interesting name uh, it consists of two english words uh, address and health right address is an interesting word in the sense that it's both a verb and a noun Right. In its noun form, it means obviously to uh, a home, home or a residence awesome. or something. In a verb form, it means to proactively do something about. Right. So, if you look at healthcare, what we say is that healthcare has been st- stuck in the mainframe era of computing. Large hospitals mm-hmm. uh, reactive to disease, right? So, you build large capital-intensive infrastructure and then wait for people to fall sick and come in. Right. We have been forever believing that healthcare needs to move along from the mainframe computing era to the personalized, you know, on the laptop, on the mobile, on the go kind of health. And we need people to proactively address their health rather than wait for them to fall sick. Right. So we have been talking about creating new addresses for health as well as getting people to proactively address health. And that's how address health was born. Okay. However, when we were born, we decided to focus on pediatrics and child health for a few reasons. Mm-hmm. India is a specialty crazy country right? from a healthcare perspective. Mm-hmm. At the drop of the hat, people in urban India can go get a cardiologist opinion, a neurologist opinion. If they had a headache, they would probably go to a neurologist. If they felt that they had high BP or something, they would go to a cardiologist. So, the era of the family physician as we know it is kind of over right, right even among the medical community it is considered great misfortune if you did not specialize okay it is felt like you have not achieved your life's goal if you have just ended up being a so-called general, inverted GP. comma general physician right although there is a great role that a general physician can play of course, of course. so pediatrics is an interesting area mm-hmm. we are a very young country mm-hmm. 22% of the country is school going, 27% is pediatric from infant to school going age. Mm-hmm. Pediatrics is an established speciality as in the general public knows child specialist when you talk about it's considered a specialist care. Right. But in essence it is delivering primary health care to children. Correct. So it is a primary health care speciality. Right. So we thought that it's a nice niche segment in which to deliver primary health care. Right. So that is how we chose pediatrics. Right. Okay. And uh, so, what what is it that exactly you do in Address Health? So, Address Health is trying to provide one-stop shop healthcare for children. Mm-hmm. But our main focus of this one-stop shop healthcare to children is through schools. Okay. So we provide one-stop shop healthcare to children and parents mm-hmm. using schools as our main base and contact. Right. So, how we do it mm-hmm. is that we have school health programs. Mm-hmm. These school health programs provide annual health check to children. We have a health education curriculum mm-hmm. which teaches health education to kids. Mm-hmm. Mental health programs in school. Mm-hmm. We provide school emergency service, medical services. Mm-hmm. Beyond all this, we run a chain of clinics okay. which provide integrated primary health care that is with pediatric medical care which mm-hmm. includes illness and vaccination mm-hmm. visits mm-hmm. we provide dental care mm-hmm. vision that is provision of spectacles in children identified with vision defects nutrition counseling and right. mental health counseling and assessment okay now these clinics when we started off we were located locating them in outside world in the commercial complexes mm-hmm. 
we realize that our tie up with school is so unique mm-hmm. that schools infrastructure can be leveraged to deliver primary health care right so now our chain of clinics are increasingly getting located inside schools mm-hmm. where we deliver school health services during school hours mm-hmm. but it becomes a chil- clinic for children okay. after school hours okay great now how many schools have you tied up with uh, what's what's kind of like your scope of operations so last academic year uh, we covered 1 lakh children in school wow okay uh this year we are looking at 150 private schools mm-hmm. and this year we have launched in partnership with a leading ngo karuna trust mm-hmm. and corporate social responsibility programs of sarnar and bosch leading mm-hmm. multinational mm-hmm. a program for public schools where we are covering 1 lakh 10000 children in schools of the government in bangalore city corporation area okay so our overall outreach this academic year mm-hmm. would be close to 2 lakh 60000 children wow okay that's 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 some great numbers there now uh, i'm i'm also curious about the tie ups do you have the tie ups with the school so does the school pay for this or do parents have to opt in and pay how how does the whole model work so generally speaking you know the way i like to explain it to schools is mm. if you look at the continuum of health and disease right health is the responsibility of school disease is the responsibility of parent right <laughs> okay. so anything to do with health of children mm. where you are trying to promote health identify conditions or things mm. like that it's a school responsibility mm. so our school health programs mm-hmm. for instance i mentioned the annual health check right the curriculum for health education in schools the mental health program and the school medical emergency uh, medical room services mm-hmm. we get into contracts with schools mm-hmm. we provide these services to the school mm-hmm. usually charged on either a per child basis mm-hmm. or a per school basis mm-hmm. schools would typically recover this in fees right eventually they would recover the costs in fees by charging a small annual amount to the parent right but we don't directly enter into contract with parents for the school health programs okay but our clinic services mm-hmm. which basically deal with illness care vaccination visits and the follow up on the illnesses and conditions identified in school health program right here the parent currently pays on a per child per visit per uh, uh, you know consultation kind of basis right we are trying to move this towards new payment mechanisms which get integrated with the school services okay so if i know that my customer is the child of a uh, you know particular school mm-hmm. or the parent has a sibling one child is school going the other is a infant right we can rely on them to make these payments we can go into a cashless insurance kind of model using school as a mechanism right to collect these payments but as on date those payments clinic related mm-hmm. encounter based payments are cash payments made by parents as they use the service okay okay great Okay. Uh now let's talk a bit more about idea creation. So uh I think you briefly touched on how you came up with this idea but can you tell us how can we also come up with a good idea? What what's your thought on that? Can we yeah. come up with a good idea or it has to strike you suddenly? So you know before we started uh we gave a great deal of importance to the idea. Right. We used to think that you know, if you have a superb idea, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's half your business. Right. Uh, over six years, what we have learned mm. is a good idea is not worth even <laughs> uh, half of its implementation ability. Right. So I think a good idea is important from the point of spurring the founders into action, right. galvanizing action, making right. the founders feel. 
that they are doing something motivating, which is motivating that yeah. something big mm-hmm. something which the world will recognize them by or their right. fellow followers friends community will recognize them mm-hmm. by and things those aspirational motivation that people generally have mm-hmm. but i think that the idea gets molded many times around as we go about implementing Right. But what gets built along the way is the core DNA. Right. The core DNA of Address Health is we are about children. Right. That we are about healthcare in children. That we are about mm-hmm. non-hospital healthcare in children. Mm-hmm. That we are about proactive healthcare in children. Mm-hmm. Around this theme, mm-hmm. I have looked around multiple pivots that we have done okay. as we have gone around. Right. But the more pivots we have done, the more our theme has got solid. The more our conviction in what we are doing has got fructified. You know, right. kind of solidified. Right. it's important to ideate it's important to have a very striking idea because mm-hmm. one thing about ideas mm-hmm. is that you know very often what you have thought about has been thought out by many other people many times we get to feel about good about ourselves right that we are so brilliant that what we have thought is something which nobody else has ever thought about mm-hmm. usually that is not the case usually correct most of what we have thought has been thought by many other people right but it's good to ideate because right. the more you ideate and come up with a really grand idea the mm-hmm. chance that you will do you will have a head start on when you start up mm-hmm. is definitely much higher rather than somebody who says okay i want to start up for the sake of starting up mm-hmm. and then i'll discover as i go along right right so it is good to have an idea mm-hmm. it is good to have that idea as a central motivator of the reason to start up right but it is necessary not to get fixated to the idea to such an extent right. that you then think that you know uh, mm-hmm. you know it's like the problem and the solution right are you starting off with a solution and then trying to look for a problem or are you looking at the problem and then trying to create a solution right so i think the idea is useful mm-hmm. but we should be ready to make changes as we go along okay great uh, thanks for explaining that now obviously you already mentioned this that a uh, good idea is uh, is uh, worth only half the half half its worth uh, in implementation in implementation <laughs> sorry thanks for reminding me now uh, what are the steps that a person needs to follow in order to make the idea into a reality some very high level steps you know uh, because there are various methodologies you know there are various paths somebody can take you know you can do market research or somebody says you know just create an mvp or, or business model create a business model so so many different paths are there what in your mind do you think is is the way that you would go about so i go back to the days when we were starting with the idea right like uh, i think we talked a lot about the idea we talked about the existing market mm-hmm. not so much as in organized market research because mm-hmm. sometimes market research is overvalued right it's very expensive to do good market research uh but we did a lot of reading up and looking at things and looking at where the market is and where we want to be mm-hmm. uh from there we definitely conceptualized the product or the idea mm-hmm. the service in our case but i'm calling it generically as product yeah, yeah. and uh from then onwards we worked on a rudimentary business model okay to see that what is the kind of reach we need mm-hmm. what is the kind of 
market which need to tap into mm-hmm. on a theoretical excel sheet to achieve the basics of right. being sustainable and generating some profit so right if you go back to those sheets from 6 years back mm-hmm. they are almost comical because <laughs> okay. uh, we would have thought of things uh, in a very different way right fundamentals still remain right but so we would have thought would you say you are too optimistic too pessimistic uh, how do you <clears> say that? i would say optimistic definitely because nobody starts off with an idea and wants to be a founder or a startup right. without being optimistic right, right? over optimistic i guess is yes yeah, uh, so the point is not it. just being over optimistic i think it is important the point is simply that when you enter the market <coughs> the environment gives you a lot of feedback right and you keep factoring it as you go along you don't realize that that much feedback has been factored in mm-hmm. and uh, sort of you know you can't just build a business model and say that this is a winner right as i have been coming back to it earlier also right. the implementation is the key key right and so business models are useful mm-hmm. from putting your thoughts onto mm-hmm. a paper or excel sheet mm-hmm. uh but definitely the validation if at all you are asking somebody on business model you may get lot of negative feedback because mm-hmm. typically when you ask somebody for feedback it is expected that they will tell you why it will not work correct what is important on we get validation on feedback is simply to understand okay these are the challenges somebody is telling and i will factor these in when i keep working on my plan mm-hmm. so that is where it comes from mm-hmm. but i think after this we sort of decided that we have to get incorporated it is important that we get incorporated and then mm-hmm. decisions around quitting one's job and moving to another city and all of those kind of decisions mm-hmm. and then of course you start and then you start working and it goes along okay great now let's talk about your personal life now we all know that uh, it's it's well known that founders sacrifice family time to make their ventures a success and uh, being a doctor requires a lot of sacrifice generally you know ordinarily doctors work long hours you know they are on call they keep getting disturbed you know so tell us a little bit more about your family and how how do you manage your business and your family time right so <clears throat> you know i had the great advantage that um, we have a close knit family i live with my parents i have my wife and my daughter and so i remember before we started up i was in a well paid un job in delhi mm-hmm. and we were we sat around uh, on my parents bed all of us talking about i will be starting up and for the next two years they can't expect a single penny from me and mm-hmm. how is it going to be managed things like that the family recognized this strong emotional need for me to do something mm-hmm. beyond what i was doing on mm-hmm. so give, when that strong need was felt by the family everybody turned supportive mm-hmm. everybody said we will pitch in to the best possible mm-hmm. and pitch in is in two ways either we will make sure that whatever money we have we will contribute mm-hmm. second we will cut our expenses mm-hmm. so from a monetary perspective mm-hmm. then comes the emotional perspective right, right. everybody says that you know we know you will go through high and lows you will go through difficult days mm-hmm. so we will make sure that we don't further upset you or make you you know feel bad about some things so those kind of things so one thing is <coughs> um one thing that i have done is that kind of maybe i have compromised on social life mm-hmm. 
I have stuck to the startup and family. Right. And sort of within that, tried to get the maximum kind of, uh, I would say, positive reinforcement to keep going. Right. So whenever I go back home, I try to spend more time with my family. We probably do less outings, less holidays kind of stuff compared to normal family. Right. But we spend more time together. We are bound uh, more. And right. then that also helps because you go back with a problem and you get uh, the positive uh, feedback and energy from people. Okay, great. Uh, I think I think this is like really good advice here because uh, uh, I think by cutting down on your social uh, uh, social outings, uh, I think you are able to contribute both to your family and business. You know, you are giving maybe 80, 20 or 50, 50. Uh, so I think that's that's really great advice for our listeners. Uh, uh, and uh, now let's talk about uh, daily or morning ritual. Is there any specific ritual that you follow? You know, it could be things like maybe you like going to the gym or, uh, you know, meditation. Uh, it could be professional or personal, maybe at work before you get into emails and things like that, get into work. Maybe you set aside some time to do something. Just just pick one and tell us uh, if yeah. there is something you do on a daily Yeah, basis. I'll have to disappoint you on that because <laughs> uh, frankly speaking, I, I am not into any of those kind of things. Okay. Uh, luckily, touch wood, I am a great sleeper. Okay. I put in at least eight hours of seven to eight hours of sleep every day, mm. whatever be the situation. Okay. I can think of the most difficult days when we have gone through as a company mm-hmm. and I've still gone, hit the sack and slept well. Right. That's a great boon, I would say. Okay. Uh, so beyond this, you know, right. I don't have any such this thing because basically if you look at it from my perspective, the way I look at it, mm. I draw, I mean, I know that contentment is root for all happiness right and i'm kind of in a way i'm not spiritual because i don't follow any spirituality as such but i sort of realize that there are only happiness in small things Mm -hmm. and so for me my happiness is linking linked to reading the hindu from first to last page every morning okay and i can say my deep meditation is reading the hindu every day because i find on days that i don't read the hindu i am irritable Okay. So you can probably say that is my yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. I mean I think even the seven to eight hours sleep could be considered a ritual uh, because uh, you're doing that consistently on a daily basis and uh, I think reading the paper from start to end I think is definitely a ritual because if you if you do it every single day most of the days you know I think that's a uh, that's a good one so now let's uh, get into a little bit of product management so we'll take a little bit of a deep dive into uh, product management so. Uh, let's start with uh, you explaining a little bit more about how you started designing this product and we'll take some further questions around exactly yeah. uh, the design of a product for a startup. Let's, sure. let's try, uh, you can of course use uh, terms related to your startup yeah. obviously but uh, if possible let's keep it as generic as possible so that other startups and other listeners yeah can utilize this knowledge to design their own products or or service. Sure. No, so I think, you know, we have undergone a lot of uh, revisions, Mm -hmm. uh, pivoted our model many times around. Mm -hmm. So I'll start off from where we started up the model. Right. We knew we are going to be in pediatric primary health care and that we want to work with health care of children, but we thought we'll pilot starting with one problem or Mm -hmm. one issue. Mm -hmm. 
So we started off what we call disease management programs. Mm-hmm. So chronic diseases in children like asthma mm-hmm. need a beyond the doctor's prescription approach. Mm-hmm. You need to empower families. You need to monitor data. Mm-hmm. You need to educate uh, people about the condition and so on. So, mm-hmm. so they we our two of our co-promoters in those days based in UK. They are doctors in UK. Mm-hmm. They had worked with similar programs in the National Health Service. Mm-hmm. So we learned from them. We mm-hmm. learned from the international experience and said, how can we replicate this? However, in the paid model in India. Right. And we created the model. Mm-hmm. I had public health experience, so I know how to design a program, how to design the steps, mm-hmm. how to design a product from the public health perspective. Mm-hmm. So I did it. Mm-hmm. We lay out the you know number of visits, for example, for an asthma program. How many mm-hmm. visits will a nurse make? How many calls will be made? How many mm-hmm. SMSs will be sent out? Mm-hmm. How many reports go to the treating physician? Mm-hmm. And then each visit, what is the objective of the nurse? Mm-hmm. How does she cover that objective? How does she mm-hmm. cover it uh, after she's finished? How does she know whether she has made the people understand everything? So we made checklists and all of that. Very, from a technical standpoint, we made all of it and mm-hmm. we started implementing. Mm-hmm. While doctors appreciated the design, Mm -hmm. the problem was not with the design. Right. They started saying that, look, we are not used to collaborating with anybody. Saying in the sense, not so much in direct words. Right. We are afraid of losing our patients. If we start working with you guys and you flick our patients. Right. Then how will it? So they were very scared to give patient leads to us. Mm So, we realized that we have to establish direct community contact, direct contact with our customers, that is parents, mm-hmm. to be able to get leads. Mm-hmm. So, we got into school health programs mm-hmm. because school was one of the places where we could work on mm-hmm. condition like asthma and educate mm-hmm. the community and make customer contact. Mm-hmm. So, let me just move back one step. So, you used an existing program. So, you had some... Uh, people in the the UK, a few doctors in the UK and you kind of uh, tried to replicate an existing working model. So do you think that's a good, uh, that's that's a good starting point for a startup, you know, uh, for example, I'll I'll just take maybe Ola uh, who kind of very successfully replicated Uber's model. Uh, So something is working somewhere else. So do you think it's like a good starting point to look at similar products in the market, maybe find out how they are doing and replicate it? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what is the problem we are trying to solve? Mm -hmm. So it was about gaps in children's health. Right. And uh, it's not like the world has not thought about gaps in children's health. Different health systems have taken different approaches. Right. But what we learned was only the product. Mm-hmm. But not about the payment mechanisms, all of that. Like in UK, practically nobody has to make a decision that I have to pay X to get this program, right? Correct. It's part of the government's program for Correct. free. Correct. So while the product design was many ways taken from there, mm. the product was very different because here mm. is a product that has to be sold for a particular value to the patient. Mm-hmm. And the patient may not perceive that value. One of the issues in healthcare mm-hmm is because healthcare is complex, mm. the patient often does not understand upfront the value right. of something. Right. If you say, I'll prevent lung cancer in somebody 20 years from now by mm. sending you mobile alerts when you are about to smoke. Let's say somebody is a smoker. Mm-hmm. And I say that I know your smoking habits. Mm-hmm. I'll send you predictive mobile texts Mm-hmm. just when you are about to go for a smoke to prevent you from smoking. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine somebody walking up to a store and say, I want to buy a pack of that. 
it's a very, very tough, tough challenge yeah, right tough. so these are the challenges in healthcare sometime mm-hmm. but starting off from an existing product is useful because it has been proven tested right. and it's solving a particular problem which we are trying right about. so you you mentioned about different approaches so different countries have different approaches now uh, was it because you are friends in uh, in the uk uh, doctors you just took that model or you kind of evaluated so how do you choose like if there are equally good models in different countries you know uk might have a model australia yeah. uh, us yeah. for example so how do you evaluate which yeah. one to use yeah i think this is uh, limited to an extent by the circumstances and the circle you have mm-hmm. because really you are not doing research as in you are not saying okay here is the problem i'm going to visit every health system in the world and find out the model right so we have in depth understanding of this approach because we had two friends and doctors who were doing this and they gave their experiences and then we read up about different systems and try to see but the in depth experience in this was available right, right i think that's an important starting point for anybody mm-hmm. because unless you will find that many startups they they come from some kind of work experience in the similar mm-hmm. kind of uh, domain mm-hmm. and uh, then it helps in understanding the mm-hmm. product better and starting off mm. so if you have in if you have a person or you yourself have in depth experience so maybe it's better not to over complicate things just go with uh, the approach that you have in designing your product yeah so i think at all times you know one thing is that uh, you know don't start off with a solution and look for a problem right. that's what we have said earlier right, right start right. with the problem what is the problem that you are trying to f- bridge correct what is the value proposition that you are giving to the customer right and that challenge is something that in healthcare we are constantly struggling with mm-hmm. and we thought that we have a great value proposition we have a great problem because health outcomes were definitely going to improve with that product mm-hmm. but then getting the customer to buy into that future promise of good health outcomes right is a tough part so how did you overcome that because i think that is one of the major premises of uh, what your company is built on right yeah. so uh, to be very frank we didn't overcome it we failed okay okay so but in the sense that when we were trying to reach out to customers we realized that one of the ways to reach out to potential chronic disease uh, patients or children was to go through schools mm-hmm. so we went to school and we ran a program called asthma absent mm-hmm. we said that asthma is leading cause of school absenteeism mm-hmm. so why don't we help schools to become asthma absent schools mm-hmm. so we launched a four prong program in schools identifying children with asthma mm-hmm. counseling parents on asthma mm-hmm. training teachers and caregivers on emergency management if a child had a sudden attack in school what would you do mm-hmm. and we used to do allergy audits of schools we used to go to schools and audit schools to see if there are any allergic triggers and how they can reduce it mm-hmm. so we covered 50000 children in south bangalore mm-hmm. in this program mm-hmm. free program right because we wanted to increase our customer outreach right and we realized by doing mm-hmm. this schools were telling us lovely program mm-hmm. why don't you do more why are you doing only about asthma right so we said okay we can launch a school health program mm-hmm. and so we launched a school health program and we realized that schools were asking for a school health program mm-hmm. because of both mandatory as well as their uh, felt needs right and we tried to organize a program around mm-hmm. the mandatory as well as felt needs and okay. that's how we got into school mm-hmm. health if you like the show do follow us on facebook and twitter the link is www.facebook.com/foundersgyan and twitter.com/foundersgyan Both these provide you daily tips and articles as well as resources to help and inspire your startup. 
there are multiple tips per day some examples of these tips would be articles on the latest startups growth hacking tips how do you build team for startups how to get funding etc so don't forget facebook.com/foundersgyan and twitter.com/foundersgyan so so that's how you kind of move from one starting point to multiple issues right now so i think you covered a very very nice point there so uh, one of the one of the key challenges of any business is acquiring customers and uh, what you have told is a great example of uh, of doing something for free or maybe very cheap cost uh, you know of maybe spreading awareness uh, which are all marketing uh, uh, tool techniques tools and techniques uh, so would you suggest that startups should uh, do some some of these initiatives you know have some kind of awareness programs you know it could be they could be just uh they could have a product they could have a service uh you know do you do you think that launching these kind of awareness campaigns where this the the company or the startup doesn't get immediate benefits but long term benefits could come out of it other things could come out of it you don't know you don't know un- unless you launch it right so would you think it's it's a recommended step absolutely it's definitely a recommended step however you should know the limits mm mm-hmm. you cannot forever keep providing some service absolutely free of cost in mm. the hope that if you have a huge customer base mm-hmm. somebody will fund you right right so it is necessary it mm. is necessary to enter a market which is first mm. time reacting to your service mm-hmm. give the uh, you know also your product de- design will improve mm-hmm. customer feedback is very important to design your product mm-hmm. you potentially get a paying customer then you right. know that there is a paying por- potential for this and right. then you work around it mm-hmm. but you give it a particular period and time keep right. looking for how you can make it a product which can be paid for and then you take it from there right so so don't bite off more than you can chew right basically don't don't just keep extending uh the free program or or free service just to acquire more customers because eventually it is going to come and bite you back if yeah. if you don't make it into a I, i i am a healthcare services startup so i am probably not the best person but you would have heard from countless number of uh, e- founders yeah. it and internet based right. startups right where the whole thing is just chasing a number game just right. thinking that you know that will magically bring some vc to your doorstep right uh, healthcare services are much more old fashioned we right. have to get the service we have to get somebody paying for it right. and we have to grow you know patient by patient or school by school in our case right so i think i think the uh, the lessons uh, are very relevant uh, uh, to even the latest startups i think uh, uh, the latest startups uh, that are really doing well have actually in some form or the other incorporated these traditional uh, business business ideas and models uh, into their business so i think uh, what you're sharing is very relevant even to the new age startups i just have uh, a couple more questions uh, one of the things that you had mentioned about was with regards to the documentation so you said you created uh some in-depth documentation and checklist and things like that uh, basically i suppose those were your standard operating procedures right so uh how how critical is it to have these kind of documentations because a lot of times uh, a lot of startups don't really i mean they give a lot of excuses like don't have the time or or that's not priority but uh, do you think that's a very critical part of 
having uh, you think having a standard operating procedure and having well documented processes is a critical part of expanding your yeah, product so and service our, ours is a technical service it's very right. vital critical that we put some of these things in place right right like you have to have a clear definition of what is the service you're offering mm-hmm. uh, what is the what is the medical condition you're looking for what right. is the form that the nurse is going to fill and mm-hmm. so on and so forth right uh, while you talk about standard operating procedures maybe a level up i think Uh, some of that can evolve mm-hmm. but you have to know that you cannot avoid them correct it's not like somebody else is going to come and do it like right. i'll grow this startup to a phase where some manager will come and do it because i am this i heard about this lazy management uh, <laughs> lazy founder technique right uh, where you think that you can hire the best talent and get them to do all these uh, dreary jobs for you right I am a personal believer in that you do it for yourself. Right. You know your stuff the best, you lay right. it out. But uh, that's the kind of person I am. So I'm not sure I can recommend that to everyone. I think I think it's uh, very important. Uh, I mean, I would uh, I would definitely side with you on this one uh, that uh, as a startup founder you have to do some of these uh, uh so-called dreadful jobs, uh, you know, in inverted <laughs> quotes. Uh it's not really dreadful, it is necessary. It might be boring, it might not be as uh, fancy as you creating the next version of your product or whatever but it is essential and uh, i think uh, you are the best person to do it right okay uh, last question on product manage sorry on saying product management product design mm. um what do you think would be your biggest uh, advice to founders with regards to product design where, where do you think people might be lacking you must have seen a lot of people so what do you think we should do uh, some maybe do's and don'ts of product design so i think uh, one uh, my perspective on this is that uh, i am a technocrat i strongly believe that you need to understand the domain and the product that you are designing i believe that it has got a big cutting edge over somebody else so that's very important but sometimes when we design products we fall in love with them and we tend to think that you know we have designed a wonderful product and the world is not able to understand the beauty of this product that i have designed because you really spent so much time on it you are the expert you know uh, things around it and so you don't tend to think of customers as kings you tend to think of them as fools <laughs> so uh, you start very to, true, very you, true. you start yeah. to think that you know is just that the market is not ready for my product right you you give all sorts of justification yeah. i mean i am ahead of my time time <laughs> and so on and so forth, which may or may not be true i am not trying to justify that in any way uh, but i am saying ultimately the truth of the test the true test of the market right is you have a product which is acceptable which can be sold which delivers value and which gives you a reasonable profitable business to build around right right and so while it's important to be a strong domain expert and to be a good product design to keep the 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 understanding of the product in your uh, in your uh, grip it is important to once that you have designed the product to let go of it from your inner self and to understand what customer feedback is all about and to submit yourself to the market because ultimately it's the market that decides you know 
Right. Ultimately, the customer needs to pay for it, uh, and if a customer wants something else, you better uh, adapt your product to serve that need, right? Yeah. Or we go and do something else. So. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Uh, that was uh, great in-depth information on the product design part of it. Uh, we just have another four or five questions. Uh, uh, this is part of the regular interv uh, interview. So. Uh, your co-founder is uh, Dr. Anup Radhakrishnan, right? So, how did you guys meet, first one? And uh, how important are co-founders? Second question, and what advice would you give people starting out with regards to getting a good co-founder? So, uh, Anup is two years my junior at medical school, medical okay. college. Uh, I ragged him on the first uh, day he walked into medical college. We became great friends. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we had the same wavelength. We spent a lot of time together. We were roommates. Mm -hmm. uh, we promised that at some day we would try and do something together. Uh, we didn't know the word startup right. back then, but we knew that we will do something together. We ran a small uh, quizzing and event management company while we were in college called mm -hmm. Event Horizon mm -hmm. with another friend. So. You know, that's we go a long way back. Right. Uh, coming to your second question on the sort of importance. How important? How important is a co-founder? I think the importance of a co-founder cannot be underestimated in any way. Mm -hmm. uh, in the early days of a business, having somebody who can uh, who can share the dream who can take it along, who can share the uh, defeats also, who mm -hmm. can share the, you know, every uh, day fights that you put up is very important, cannot be underestimated. Uh, so the thing is that I would always recommend that, you know, people go and look for like-minded people to be co-founders mm -hmm. when we start up. Uh, however, it cannot be manufactured. Right. Uh, you cannot just say that, okay, it's important to have a co-founder, so I'm going to go and find one. Mm -hmm. Wavelengths have to match. Right. Your, uh, many times I find beyond wavelength, sometimes even uh, there is a shared upbringing and things which work mm -hmm. in the background. You can't somehow right. sort of, right. you can't feel it, but you can feel it in many ways. There, right? there are many factors. That many make. factors that, that, that make you react in ways that you're predictable ways. And things like that. So, uh, I would say that a co-founder is very critical. Uh, whether complementary skills are needed or not is an interesting question. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that it is great if we get some complementary skills. Correct. Right? It's great if we get complementary skills. Uh, but maybe sometimes it's not necessary and one and the, uh, the two people have to then decide among themselves who is going to spend more time doing what right and then learn some skills along the way but right. it's great if we found complementary skills right it's Ex excellent advice so uh, you place um, probably wavelength and uh, getting along much higher than complementary skills right so yes definitely definitely right so uh, so thanks uh, for sharing that now can you tell us something about yourself that is not commonly known I'm not. <laughs> I'm not that well known. Uh, but uh, maybe amongst uh, your friends, or you know, not that well known among my friends. Yeah, also. or your uh, or your company. You know, is, is there something that 
you like to do that people don't know about you yeah so i think uh, you know uh, i'd like to write a book mm-hmm. i've been thinking about it for quite some time uh, in fact uh, what thanks to whatsapp mm-hmm. i have started off a new tradition of mm-hmm. writing short poetry Wow okay uh, on various whatsapp groups that i am connected to okay and i've been received lot of interesting feedback okay saying that uh, i should take it up more seriously okay so definitely something that i'm looking forward to doing okay good luck on that so i think uh, you're getting positive feedback so i think you should uh, take action on that and uh, hope to read your book soon now what's the best advice somebody has given you or alternatively best advice you have heard or maybe read and try to follow in your startup and life i'm i'm trying to think of the best advice because uh, i think uh, advice has been really useful from many quarters right so for instance you know we we had this great advisor uh, who really helped us uh, at some point in time during this journey uh, uh shrikant ayer uh, was uh, is advising us and uh, the, we went to him uh, for various things and he said you know you 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 you've got a, a killer uh, product or service here right. that's cool so you have to concentrate on getting your pipeline of schools on getting your uh, you know getting le- letters of intent from schools so even if you don't have the money to execute today if you go and explain the concept and you get letters of intent then you can go to an investor and say i have five schools 10 schools interested and if i had the money i would have executed it this way so that kind of advice was very useful uh, to us mm-hmm. and so i would say that uh, uh, i that comes to mind uh, to me the okay. most so so in layman terms uh, could be say that uh, getting having customers is crucial right is that how you put it um in the sense that he's uh, he said that you don't really need to you know have a customer where you have already put something in place and started delivering the service right he said that the concept is so strong that if you are able to demonstrate that there is buy in right and you document that demonstrate that buy in then you can convince an investor that right. look it's only the question of not having the capital okay if you just go and report a lay conversation and say that uh, you know x number of schools said they are interested he said go and get letters of intent right so okay great advice i think so having some letters of in- in- intent or some kind of formal documentation that shows that there are potential people ready to buy your product or service you just need to uh, put in the money or make the product or or the service and you have people willing to commit to yeah. buying it i think i think that's that's great advice that a lot of startups can benefit from so thanks for sharing that now let's talk about your worst entrepreneurial moment so can you tell us about i'm sure there are plenty in 6 years plus uh, but what comes to your mind when you think of the worst entrepreneurial moment and Uh, how did you turn it around or it doesn't matter if you turned it around or not what was the lesson that you learned from the experience well uh, i would say that you know uh, as a company we pride ourselves in although we are small and uh, still uh, exploring 
uh, we pride ourselves in some of the things like paying people on time uh, paying employees salaries on time uh, usually vendor payments we are good to vendors vendors like us because we pay on time etc i keep a strong look on cash flow and things like that uh last year uh, we went through an interesting phase uh we knew that we were getting lot of advice and our existing investors also saying that you have to really ramp up the speed of implementation you have to start showing greater numbers to be able to attract more investment and we knew that while we are stepping on the gas we will be running short of money and that means that we have to look for money faster but unless we also demonstrate bigger results it will be tougher to raise the money so we knew and we started doing that and it resulted in us covering 1 lakh kids in school which is not a small number so we had like two funds that we were talking to where very advanced discussions had happened and mm-hmm. uh, more or less the contour of the deal was spoken about finalized mm-hmm. you know basic things like what amount of money for mm-hmm. what plan at what valuation and things like which are generally considered to be kind of very advanced like the finishing touches finishing touches right kind of thing and i knew that i had to close those deals for me to continue the way we were continuing and we just suddenly received one communication towards the end of december last year that they would like to put a wait and watch on us mm. uh, they were not going forward in spite of almost kind of coming to some kind of closure mm-hmm. and uh, i then felt very big setback because uh, i had thought it's almost like nearing closure but i more than that i felt the setback because i thought the other investor who was a smaller investor would also back out mm-hmm. but the other investor turned around and said that uh, you know we are still independently interested right and so i went and pursued it and very uh, senior person somebody mm-hmm. of great repute was mm-hmm. involved and when we spoke we felt the confidence that this is back on track mm-hmm. and uh, the person was very convinced that he wants to back this business and gave a kind of go ahead saying mm-hmm. let's do it and then his team got involved and we went forward with all of that and again came to the same stage as with the previous fund mm-hmm. and suddenly we had a back out again Wow. Okay. So that's, that's an anti climax. Yeah. So that was a difficult moment in our lives mm. because for the first time in six years we delayed payments. Mm. We didn't pay staff on time. We didn't pay vendors on time. Mm-hmm. I came back to office, held a meeting with staff, and told them that look, it's time for many of you to look for new jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I helped some people build their resumes. I contacted people whom where I could place people and things like that. so that was a very difficult moment mm. of uh, the journey not that it is unexpected but when it right. comes around you really feel uh, that it's a tough part right luckily for us we kept at it mm. we met another investor who was completely convinced with what we were doing mm-hmm. we closed an investment mm-hmm. round mm-hmm. and you will be surprised that more than 80% of people who left Mm. have rejoined us wow that's that's great so yeah. uh, the biggest lesson you learned from that was keep at it or what would you say yes, so the biggest lesson of course i learned from it is that you know startup journey is an uncertain journey <laughs> and that at no f- stage of life 
can you be really certain that this is going to be pulled off right and i'm not i'm i'm, I'm going to continue that through the rest of this journey i'm okay. not going to think that anything is done and dusted so the old saying that don't count your chickens before they hatch is uh, very abs- true very absolutely true. don't uh, count your chickens before they are hatch don't count your eggs as chicken <laughs> uh, you know Right. don't uh, of course you know keep your eggs safely but don't count them okay and all of those things but the other lesson in this for me mm-hmm. is treat your employees with great respect mm-hmm. treat your start your staff get make them feel that you are doing a lot for them in personal term not just in remuneration mm-hmm. i built cvs for my employees who are not Mm. like i wrote and edited and told them this is how it look good when you apply to oh. another hospital or something like mm. that i gave references which really meant that you know when i talk to people and told them that you will have to let go will will need to mm. uh, sack certain number of people i had read at that time of some other startups where there was a big uh, you know ruckus and people had locked up a ceo right right you won't believe it i don't know it's my good fortune or what every single employee thanked me for the opportunity and the time at address health mm-hmm. they said that they had seen uh, that i had put in my best effort and that they would like to come back and work with us so what lesson there i want to convey mm-hmm. is whatever time you have do build good uh, make you know work hard for your employees work hard for everybody who works for you mm-hmm. uh, make them uh, special make them feel n- not just remuneration don't just think of it as esop and remuneration and that's it is done uh, know their families know their uh, issues talk to them on it talk to them continuously on growth opportunities and things mm-hmm. like that i often joke with my employees that i am a training program for you to get x job kind of thing because mm-hmm. i'm just trying to tell them that they need to improve their skill set correct and i'm not going to retain everybody forever right but right. we have good retention rates right great great story there uh, anand uh, thanks a lot for sharing that uh, i think uh, it's it's really wonderful to hear that uh, now can you recommend any books or resources for budding entrepreneurs oh i i, I more of like articles and things like that mm-hmm. but one article or thing uh, area that really mm-hmm. something which i never thought of is a piece of research i re- read on entrepreneurial exit mm mm-hmm. uh, very nice uh, uh, research article right because most of the entrepreneurs when we get into doing something mm-hmm. we hardly ever think of exit right mm-hmm. we try to do it because we want to do it we're right. passionate about it right and the first kind of first set of questions in the first 5 6 questions that you are asked by a vc or anything like that mm. you will be surprised that one of the first questions that come up is what's the exit strategy right and the first time i was so naive when i went to some of these presentations mm-hmm. thing because i was really thinking what are they asking i mean mm. i want to be in this for life i want to do this mm. for life so i read this beautiful research article on entrepreneurial exit mm. which talks about 
legacy business versus mm. uh, and what it means mm. in terms of physically emotionally financially exiting mm. a venture mm-hmm. what it does for the cycle of business and so on mm. and so forth mm. i don't have the reference right now with me yeah, but i can share it yeah just I share can it sh- with me i'll yeah. link it up on the show yeah notes. i found that a very useful article right. because it gave a very nice understanding and mm. groundwork framework for understanding something which entrepreneurs don't usually understand well okay great we'll link that up on the show notes now i just have two final questions so adresselt is about 6 and 1/2 years old right approximately and hindsight is always 2020 but if there's one thing that you would do different values while you were starting out what would it be one thing that i would do differently is when you start up the first time and you found the company and then you're deciding on you know you get either you and your co-founder and then some other people come and invest and things like that you get like you start to you just put some formula for allocation of uh, equity and things like that i think there instead of spending too much time mm-hmm. if it can be done in a kind of futuristic manner Mm-hmm. where you know like the US and the silicon valley has many of these convertible note and these kind of options right if where at that stage you are not bothered about all of these things you're saying if this idea goes along and it becomes successful at that stage definitely we are going to be worried about all this mm-hmm. because definitely a large majority will not go forward right, right. ideas get nipped mm-hmm. in the bud for various reasons so there's no point in trying to work out an elaborate scheme equity scheme and mm-hmm. how are you going to get your first investor and how much you're going to give him and all of those things because it needs to get modified as it right. goes along so that's one thing probably i would look at differently mm-hmm. from how we did it 6 years back okay great so uh before we move on to the final question how can our listeners get in touch with you obviously uh, address health uh, the website is going to be linked on the show notes page and they can reach out uh, Uh, reach out to your company if they want but personally if they want to get in touch with you to bounce off ideas or uh, request some help uh, etc uh, uh, startups budding founders what's the best way to reach out to you uh, linkedin twitter uh, email what's what's the uh i would say that linkedin and email mm-hmm. uh, and i can share both of those profiles sure uh, unfortunately or fortunately i am not on twitter Okay. <laughs> uh address health is not on Twitter. Okay. I would like somebody to advise me about it but personally I mm-hmm. I'm not a great fan of Twitter. Okay. I have just one final question but uh before that I just want to take the time to acknowledge and thank you for sharing your knowledge uh, with myself and our listeners. Uh I have a 5-year-old daughter so I know how important health is when it comes to especially the young ones yeah. so I think uh, you're doing a great job and uh, I wish you continued luck uh, with uh, with taking this forward to the next level and growing further. So if there is only one gyan that you could give us would be founders what would that be? Uh one gyan would be that you know uh when you have the urge to start up try telling no to yourself. and uh, if the urge recurs again mm-hmm. try telling no to yourself again mm-hmm. and if it comes back the third time don't think of anything else like model or uh, market or anything like that just dive in but dive in giving the commitment that you will be stuck to it for at least 2 to 3 years of your life okay excellent uh, advice uh, 
Anand, thank you so much for your time. It was a real pleasure chatting with you. Wish you continued success in your venture. Thank you. There you have it, folks. Another inspiring startup and the story behind its founder. I hope you liked it. Do check out www.foundersgyan.com/ep50 for the show notes and links to all that we discuss on the show. I'll see you all next week with yet another startup and its founder. In the meantime, I do hope this show has inspired you to take action on your own startup. Good luck on your startup adventure and have a great week ahead. Bye for now.